0: thanks guys and uh, welcome again to church today. It's great to have you. Uh, Maybe you're a regular at Grace Church and you come every week, you've been coming for years. Uh, It's great to have you back. Um, But especially if you're new, so welcome and we're so glad you're connecting with us. Maybe you started watching church online kind of in lockdown. Uh, You might even be a new student. Maybe you've just arrived in Nottingham kind of checking out some churches. I know thousands of freshers have descended upon the city in the last couple of weeks. Uh, So excited that you're here. I love that you're kind of checking us out this morning. I totally believe that god's got great things in store for you in your time here at uni even though maybe it's a bit of a weird time to start but whoever you are so pleased that you're with us this morning uh, if you're not familiar with who i am my name is chris i'm part of the staff team here at grace church uh, where my role is to lead our worship team uh, and also oversee all of our media and communications so um suffice to say the last few months have been quite busy for me in my role uh normally well i say normally normally is a pretty relative term these days isn't it but before march uh on a sunday we would have gathered in our building uh here uh, three services on a sunday with hundreds of people coming to worship uh, we had uh, groups meeting across the city in homes uh kind of to, to look at the bible to worship share meals together as well as a whole number of kind of outreach ministries some of which are beginning to kind of start up again from here in the building um Obviously, in the last few months, a lot of that has changed, but I'm so glad that we're able to do something to connect with one another, to do church on a Sunday, even if it is online. And, um, and genuinely, I'm, I'm so excited for at least the potential for, you know, things beginning to open up again for, for kind of places of worship, at least being able to do some gatherings. I'm actually genuinely looking forward to a lot of the stuff that we're running this term that I'm believing God for. And one of those things is actually this coming week uh, starting today which is something we call deeper Uh, it's our week of prayer worship and fasting Uh, we run these three times in a year and just kind of take a few days out to to seek god to meet with him and to pray and um, i know i've found these times so uh, helpful for me personally but they've always been significant for us as a church you know they've developed and changed over the years yes but At the end of them all, God has always spoken to us. He's shaped our church journey. And just a word on on fasting. Um, Again, like in my personal walk with Jesus, I found that really uh, helpful to me. Just kind of in those days where it helps me kind of lean into God a little bit more and depend a bit more on him. Uh, There's no pressure to do it, but you might want to consider that this week. If you've got any questions about fasting, then do get in touch with uh, the office. We'd love to chat to you about that. Uh, But as I said, this is a big week for us. And and it starts today, really, with this talk that I'm doing, which I suppose really the aim of this is to try and create some expectation for the next few days, build some anticipation amongst us and to kind of make you and me ready for for whatever God has in store for us, ready to receive from him, but also kind of fired up to pray and to seek him uh, for our church, for our city. And uh, and I'm going to be particularly speaking, as the guys have just said, into worship this morning and um, and what it looks like in this current season. I'm speaking from uh, the book of John, uh, chapter 4, which might be a familiar encounter to some of you. It's where Jesus meets uh, the woman at the well, the woman from Samaria. And I'm going to read from verse 19 through to verse 26. Before I read this, uh, I'm just going to pray. So, If you feel comfortable, maybe uh, close your eyes. Um, If you're driving, listening to the podcast, obviously do not close your eyes, but for everyone else, close your eyes. Let's pray and let's just ask God to come and help us this morning. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through it. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as we read this passage and as I speak this morning, would you come and breathe life into our hearts? Would you help us to become more like Jesus and help us to bring his glory to the people around us and our city. Come and help us, Holy Spirit. We welcome you this morning. Be amongst us. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, let's get into the passage then. So as I said, we're in John 4, verse 19 through to 26. The words will come up on the screen, um, but if you've got a Bible, please feel free to flick there. If you're watching on church online, there's actually a, a tab there to access a Bible as well. Let's read it through. John 4, verse 19. It says this. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that messiah is coming he who is called christ when he comes he will tell us all things jesus said to her i who speak to you am he now as i said this passage might be familiar to some Um, i'm not going to go into great depths about kind of the nature of this encounter uh, or certainly the kind of the history behind it in, in huge detail But suffice to say that the Jews and the Samaritans uh, were at at odds with one another. Uh, The Jews uh, perceived the Samaritans to be an unclean people, so they wouldn't mix with them at all. So the fact that Jesus would A, be speaking to a woman, which culturally at the time would be uh, something of note, but then B, that it's a woman from Samaria, means that this kind of whole encounter, this whole conversation is like a double portion of scandalous, uh, emphasised by the fact that when the disciples return from where they've been, They marvel at the fact that Jesus is speaking to her. They ask him, why are you speaking to this woman? But he does, he has this conversation. And um, again, I won't go through all of the detail of the back and forth that they have, but it starts quite innocently with Jesus asking for a drink. He's been wearied from his journey through Samaria. He stops at this well and the woman comes and, and he asks, give me a drink. She's shocked that he's speaking to her, as I've said, because of the cultural implications of that. Then there's this back and forth uh, about water, where she is trying to get her head around the living water that Jesus is talking about. And commentators agree that that probably this poor woman is is presuming that, okay, if Jesus is talking about living water, what he, well, this well water must be kind of dead because it's still. Maybe this living water that he's talking about is like a stream or a river that's flowing, that's alive. Okay, so she's like, give me that water. That's the water I want. He then goes on to say that this living water can offer eternal life. And the woman just gets very confused, doesn't understand what's going on. So Jesus changes tack completely. He cuts right through the noise of that pretty earthly conversation from her point of view. And he confronts her lifestyle and ultimately confronts the state of her heart. That is Jesus's primary concern. She then kind of tries to buffer that conversation where he's, recognizes and sees that she's had multiple husbands. The man she's with now is not her husband. She tries to like change the topic. Okay, she's like, I see you a prophet, but hey, let's talk about worship. So she changes the, the, the course of the conversation again. And she starts talking about worship and specifically its location, where it ought to take place. That's the language that she uses. And then Jesus takes this opportunity to challenge her understanding of Of who he is and what is to come the new age of the kingdom that he is bringing about and before we get into the detail of what's going on i just think it's worth just kind of giving the plaudits to jesus here for what can only be described as conversational gymnastics i mean the guy starts with give me a drink manages to get her probably in the space of like 30 seconds all the way up to the complex nature of how mankind and humanity is to relate to and worship the infinite God of the universe. I just think that is quite a remarkable feat of conversation right there. So um, well done, Jesus, but that's not what we're gonna focus in on. What's important here is the stark contrast between her expectations of worship and the true proper worship that Jesus describes, that he is bringing about, that he is announcing. This better reality. And that's what I want us to focus in on for today. And I want to start by asking you this question, rhetorically, of course. What do you expect of worship? When I say worship, what, what comes to mind? I think probably for most of us, it'd be safe to assume that we expect worship to be, or certainly used to expect worship to be, you know, an experience together. You gather at church, here in the building, you come together on a Sunday in your congregation for 25-30 for minutes or so, and you sing, you, you use the gifts of the Spirit, maybe you, you include kind of worshipping in your home group, like the, all these gathered contexts for worship, that's kind of what springs to mind. And I think I too would have had very similar expectations. And, you know, I'd expect certain things when I came to lead worship at church. You know, things that I expected to happen. There'd be things that I would expect to have happen when I was being led in worship, maybe in my home group, for instance, during the week. And a big part of of all of these expectations is simply to be present with other people, isn't it? Just to be gathered with other Christians. Standing shoulder to shoulder with people you love, friends, family, singing the name of Jesus. Maybe standing next to people that you've never met, but you have this incredible familial bond because you know they're brothers and sisters in Christ and you hear the joy in their voice as they sing to Jesus. I'd have expected singing, right? Like most contexts where worship was taking place in the church, I'd expect there to be lots of singing because the Bible talks loads about singing. Every time it kind of instructs on worship, more often than not, there's singing reference songs. Certainly at Grace Church here, I would have come to expect, as I said, the the use of the gifts of the Spirit, tongues, interpretation, prophecy in our worship times. Because as we read Paul's instructions to the churches, we heed those, we take them seriously, and we model our worship on it. And in it all, you get to see the joy and the passion on everybody's faces as you delight in Jesus. And then over the last few months, So much of what we had come to expect of worship has been taken away. At first, it was simply being together. You know, the beginning of lockdown is just just be at home. You can't gather with other people, worshipping on your own. Then over the summer, you know, things begin to to ease a little bit. And places of worship, like us, are allowed to begin to open up and have gatherings of some sort. But, But it has to be restricted. And... I don't know if you've seen pictures online of what churches are doing up and down the country, um, running these socially distanced services. And like, it kind of breaks my heart. Not not because any church or anyone is doing anything wrong. We're gonna do exactly the same thing when we do our gatherings this term. But it, it pains me to see it because it's just not what I know. It's not what I have come to expect. You know, everyone has to wear a mask. So you can't see anyone's faces. You can't see joy and delight and passion. You're not allowed to to sing. You can't express your worship that way. You, You have to basically come and go, like get in and get out. There's no allowance for socializing or really connecting with people. You have to sit far apart from each other to keep those meters distance. It's just not what we have come to expect of worship. And I I wonder how you have found it over the last, you know, half year or so in coming to terms with that very fact. I think personally for me, if I'm being totally honest, I don't think I really stopped to process it at all. Like as soon as it started happening i was so intent on on making sure that we as a church were able to worship on sundays that we could do something online and try and develop and improve those things and make it happen that i I never took a moment just to pause for myself and and like ask like how do i feel about it like what's going on in inside of me and then last weekend last sunday in fact i i came to kind of do some preparation for for this talk today and I had the afternoon to myself. We, my wife and I have just had a little baby um, and, the, and in-laws were up. So they went out for the afternoon and, and left me to kind of prep at home. And uh, so I was like, great, I've got some time to focus. So I got out all the books and my Bibles and everything. And, and every time I come to prep for a talk, I always have this kind of reminder niggle but from the Holy Spirit of like, you know, before you should read something, you should just spend some time with me. Just spend some time with God. And I was like, yeah, I know you're right. So, you know, I put the books down. I was like, I'm just gonna pray. I'm just gonna enjoy Jesus. I'm just gonna worship. So that's what I started to do. You know, I was in my study and I turned my speakers up real loud um, and I got up on YouTube, like live videos of like songs from worship uh, kind of ministries across the world and, and started singing along. And, uh, you know, was jumping around in my study, having a great time worshiping Jesus, encountering his presence. And then something kind of weird happened. All of a sudden, I started feeling like I guess it's like rise of emotion in my heart, almost like this sense of like wanting to to be sick, you know that feeling, and um, I was like, oh, this is strange, and uh, it kind of kept going, and I started having tears in my eyes as I was singing these songs. And just for a bit of context, um, for those that don't know me, I am not a crier. Okay, it's not something I do very regularly. Um, The last time I think I came close to crying was watching Paddington 2, which, let's all be honest, is an absolute triumph of filmmaking. If you've not seen it, you should definitely go and watch it. You're welcome. It will bless you. Um, But, like, I don't cry very often. I don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing. I just think it's a thing. Fine. So this was kind of quite a surprise to me. And um, my eyes were welling up and I was trying to stifle it. Right, I was like, no, 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 I'm worshipping Jesus. I can't get emotional. And eventually I just had to let it out. And... I basically just started weeping in my study, like really sobbing, like out loud. Uh, Who knows what the neighbors would have thought if they'd walked past, see me in the window. Because hilariously, I was still trying to sing, right? So I was kind of like warbling, like all these songs. Um, And I just cried. And I just had this moment where I felt the presence of, of God and felt him just kind of come to comfort me in the pain. And that lasted for a few minutes. And then then eventually the, the crying sort of subsided and I continued to worship and I had a lovely, wonderful time singing, resting, speaking to God, having a chat with Jesus. And you know what? I think like a big part of what was happening in that moment was simply, it was like the first time I'd given myself a chance to pause and allow myself to feel the loss of the last six months. I feel the pain of it. I think it was mourning, like grieving what I feel has been like taken away from me. And at the end of it, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit just had gently been there and like saying, no, you, you need some healing in your heart. Let me bring comfort to you. And then almost just challenging me to just reset and basically ask this question of me, which I want to pose to us this morning as well. Now what are my expectations for worship going to be now like having mourned the loss of what has been like what am i going to expect going forward and to answer that question i want to address the better reality that jesus offers here in this encounter firstly jesus dismantles her location limited view of worship You know, he says to her, "Uh, woman, believe me. You know, it's almost like you have no idea that worship isn't going to be centered around a building and a place like these physical manifestations of worship. Instead, he's announcing a greater spiritual reality, a spiritual worship in a new age that he is ushering in, the age of the spirit, where the people of God become the temple. And the focus of their worship is the man himself, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. See, Paul, in his letters to the Corinthians, he says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Like This better reality It's not just limited to a building, this building, any building. No, 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 no. Totally scattered into the people of God this better reality than what she expects. And Jesus then goes on to say that the hour is coming and is now here, where is it? Uh, now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So he moves on to speak into the very nature of true worship. That is worship that is done in spirit, and truth. Great. Now that sounds good. But what does that actually mean? Like it's very easy to reel that off. What does it mean to worship in spirit? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, the preacher John Piper says to worship God in spirit means to be born of the Holy Spirit and therefore to be a living spirit. Before the new birth, all we do is go to church or go to the synagogue or go to the mosque, the temple and act the flesh but when through faith in Jesus the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual life we are born again we have a living spirit we can worship in spirit our spirits are alive and we have God's spirit within the point is that when we put our faith in Jesus something happens inside internally where we were once just flesh dead in sin, that's what the Bible says of us. All of a sudden, the spirit makes us new, makes us alive. You see, Jesus isn't so concerned with the where, like these external measures of worship. He's concerned with the internal, with our hearts. In the book of Matthew, his account of Jesus' life, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah when he's speaking to the Pharisees. He's calling them hypocrites and he says, "'This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. His point is, you could have gone to church for years, could have been singing all the songs, kind of doing the right things as it were, but if it wasn't coming from your heart, it was all in vain. It counts for nothing. It's about having a heart made new, being forever renewed day by day and loving Jesus, the one that makes all things new. So you can have gatherings taken away. You can have your singing stopped. But the point here is, from Jesus is that those things come second to a genuine heart response, a heart that is alive in him. So that's what it is to worship in spirit, for it to come from the heart, a heart that is made new. What about to worship in truth? Well, I think this, this one's possibly a bit more straightforward to kind of get our heads around. It basically means to worship by the book. Right? Worship according to God's word, to the Bible. It is to know the true nature of God himself as revealed in his word. It is to know the truth about the salvation that Jesus offers. It's to know the truth himself. Jesus said, I am the truth. It's to know the true power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you and me. True and proper worship is to come not with empty words or pretense, but it's to draw on this back catalogue of truth that we have in the Bible. So in some ways, I think you can think about worshipping in spirit and truth. It means to worship with all of your heart and your mind. To allow the renewal of your heart to stir passion and zeal for God's kingdom. Love and devotion to Jesus and experience of his presence. It is to grapple with the infinite nature of the God who is the king of the universe and is also your father. It's to know the person of Jesus who, who walks off the page into your life. It's to learn and understand the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. And it's as we engage our heads our understanding and our hearts that we truly worship and you think okay that sounds great but like what difference does that make to me now in this season well i think like for me it almost makes the limitations that are imposed on us for worship at the moment what we can and can't do the rules and the regulations it makes it all feel Less like restrictions and more just like a diversion. Oh, oh, I can't worship like that anymore. I'm not allowed to do that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to choose to apply my head and my heart to worship in another way, in creative new ways. So like practically, this means that when you come to a gathering at church, instead of despising the silence and the moments of quiet, you embrace it and allow your heart to just pause and be still before God. Instead of singing songs on autopilot, which let's be honest, we've all done it at one point in our lives because we just know them off by heart. Instead of doing that, you close your eyes, you just listen to the lyrics and allow the truth to hit you in a fresh way. Instead of allowing the usual voices to bring contributions in worship on Sundays because there's a room full of people, well, there's fewer people now. And and so instead, you, you pluck up the courage to bring a Bible verse that you love, a prophecy, tongues for someone to interpret. You just divert to a different form and embrace what there is. So the external, the the method has changed, but the source hasn't. And I am convinced that that if we see this moment as an opportunity to reset and, and strip back so much of what we relied on in the past, like all the things that we used to feature in church that have kind of been taken away, we will still have profound encounters with God. I think they'll be different for sure but beautiful nonetheless. You know, instead of allowing the the darkness of these days to take hold, we take heart. We believe what what Ben spoke on last week, that, that we, the church, are a city lit up on a hill bright for everyone to see. That we beg to differ with the darkness as it encroaches on us. We use this season, this time to to reset, this week even, that's what it's designed for, to kind of have a reset moment, to take the opportunity. So to sign up for the gatherings, yes, but even if you can't come into the building, to take time at home, to be with God, to come back to God. The one who is not bound by restriction is not limited in what he can do and come back and offer him our hearts and our minds and allow him to shape us in a brand new way. And as we do that as a community, we will become the true worshipers that Jesus describes that worship the Father in spirit and truth. Thank you so much for listening. I hope some of this has helped you. What we're going to do now is I'm going to hand over to Hannah and the band and they're just going to lead us in a song. And I I encourage you to start now, like allow this moment to be the moment your heart and mind begin to engage with God in a fresh way, to receive from him, to come back to him. Hannah, over to you.